The Devil Pulls the Strings by J.W. Zarek Narrated by Kurt Bonham Chapter 11 Professor Wickamby Students rush the exit. I navigate through the shrinking sea and join Sapphire and Professor Wickamby on stage. Sapphire wears a keep-it-together gaze and forced smile. Wickamby shifts, leans back on his cane, and his stance reminds me of experienced knights at the Ren Fair who've been in one too many fights, always at the ready. But none of the fair knights are college professors. I look at Sapphire. You didn't tell me you could play so well. That was uber amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Color flames her cheeks and she smiles. The smile dazzles me, hugs me, hypnotizes me, heals me. The professor casts me a searing gaze. I smile, stretch out my hand. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm Boone, Boone Daniels. Wakambi ignores my hand. I let it drop. Sapphire's smile fades. Her expression fills with sadness. Professor Wigambi, I don't know how to tell you this. Is, is there someplace we can talk? She shifts her stance. She trembles. Something grave troubles you, Miss Anjou. His gaze searches her face. The Kimmel Center provides a room for speakers and performers. We can speak there. Wigambi glances at me. Your friend can wait here. No, Boone comes too. Sapphire's tone is firm. McCamby tightens his grip on his cane. His knuckles turn white. All right, this way. Sapphire and I follow him to a room with plush carpet, a table in the center with assorted fruit, snacks, covered plates, a bottle of wine chilling and a bucket of ice. Steam rises from a teapot. Take a seat, Miss Anjou. You too. Wickamby directs me to a chair with his glare. Sapphire pulls a teacup close and then blurts, Professor Stone is dead. Wickamby's expression goes from calm trail ride to first time on a bucking bronco woe. No, 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 that can't be. I saw Professor Stone at his house this morning. We discussed Friday's event at Trinity Church, and then he told me you were coming over to pick up sheet music for Saturday. His tone turns from shock to outrage. If this is your idea of a joke, Miss Anjou, it is in the most deplorable taste. His body stiffens, his mouth quirks, the air around him turns dead somber. It's true, I cut in. It happened this afternoon. We saw his body. His gaze scours my face and the muscles in his jaw flex. And did you get the music, Miss Anjou? Because without it, there can be no charity ball. Sapphire fiddles with her cup, spills tea. No, there was no time. When I reached Professor Stone's house, the world turned upside down. Boone pulled me out of the way of a falling piano. There were men with guns, and Professor Stone hit the sidewalk. It was awful. He touches the back of her hand, 
a flicker of fear crossing his expression. Our yoke aim is on you. Yes, but if it weren't for Boone, I'm sure I'd be dead too. He saved my life. If he hadn't pulled me in the cab, I wouldn't be sitting here. Wickamby's grave expression deepens. And how did you manage to get to class and then play in the competition with all this happening today? The cab let us out in front of the stern building, and we went to Professor Stone's office, but the men from his brownstone were there. Boone and I hid. The men eventually left, and this building was the safest space I could think of. And I couldn't imagine missing the competition. Wickamby grabs my hand and shakes it. I owe you a debt of gratitude. Thank you. His grip tightens instead of loosens. We lock eyes. How was it that you came to be placed perfectly within Miss Anjou's proximity when a piano was about to land on air? I squeeze back with equal pressure. I was meeting Professor Stone about the Central Park gig this weekend. Sapphire barreled into me. That's when everything went six ways from Sunday. Wickamby pushes air between his teeth. You are Flynn Michaels? No. My voice is low, almost wavering. Flynn was badly injured on Sunday. He's in the hospital. And he made me promise to fill in for him. And what exactly did Mr. Michaels tell you? Wickamby's voice drills through me. Flynn only told me to speak with Professor Stone. He said the rest of the band would arrive Saturday in time to set up and go over the set list. I take out a scrap of paper showing the professor's name, address, and time to meet, and I hand it to Wickamby. He reads and nods. So you're with Flynn Michaels' group, the Village Idiots. Sapphire smiles. This explains so much. I squint and shoot imaginary daggers at her. Hey, the Village Idiots is one of the best medieval rock bands out there. So, yeah, for this gig, I'm a Village Idiot and proud of it. This is no time for jokes. Wickamby slams the tip of his cane onto the floor. Professor Stone was the last person with the music, and now he's dead. I'm heartbroken Stone has died. But it's imperative we get the music. One of the men said the name. Sinti, I think, Sapphire says. Yes, you're right. Sinti was his name, oh, I sing. Sinti's men were willing to kill for Paganini's music. The professor taps his cane, stands, takes two steps, and turns to face Sapphire and me. This rare Paganini piece hasn't been heard in over 100 years. This music is priceless. It's why so much effort went into having the piece played at the end of the charity ball. The depths an overzealous collector would sink to is staggering. But, even so, I never anticipated murder. The men you say had guns don't sound like music lovers, more like hired thugs. Now, unfortunately, without the music, we can be size. We'll have to cancel the charity event. I snatch a couple of cake-like cookies with white fluffy centers and a macaroon with a fudgy center. But aren't there any coffees in the music? I ask between bites. 
Wakambi rubs his hands over his face and through his hair. No, there are no copies. The piece was written using special ink under the light of the midnight moon. The light of a unique, once-in-a-century blood moon. This piece, this piece is the key to revealing his greatest Eden work. I chew and swallow the remaining bits of cookie in my mouth. So the charity raises millions of dollars for a worthy cause, and Cinti's guys come along with guns because he doesn't want to share Paganini's music with the world? I cover my mouth to keep a burp and cookie crumbs from breaking free. I fail. Outblasts an ungodly uber-ogre belch cookie monster would be proud of. Plus the crumbs, I rapid-fire wipe off my t-shirt and jeans. Wicambi breathes in deep. He exhales slow and long. <sighs> Do either of you believe in magic? I guess. Sapphire stretches for another macaroon, but stops and pulls her hand back. Best cookies ever. I can't stop eating these if I wanted to. I snatch another cookie. I can make two double cheeseburgers and a pint of beer disappear in under two minutes. Does that count as magic? Wicambi moves the plate of cookies just out of my reach. Mr. Daniels, I'm not talking about your gastro-obscene style of magic. His tone rises sharp. The Paganini piece is a secret song and a powerful summoning spell hidden in three of his best compositions. Twenty-four caprices, cantabile, and le streghe. Bring all the music sheets together under the moonlight, and the actual piece meant to be played is revealed. And also the summoning spell. It's such a stroke of genius. Summoning spell? You mean real magic? The hairs on my arms tingle. Wakambi grabs a croissant and points it at my head. Yes, real magic. His timbre is a disjointed note. When brought together in the moonlight, you lay special parchment on top of the music to reveal the hidden song, play the piece, and only then does the spell work. And everyone listens in pure rapture to this majestic, sublime piece of music played as Paganini intended. And what exactly got summoned? Sapphire nibbles a salmon finger sandwich. Wakambi puts down the croissant, adjusts his glasses. From what I've researched, it could be Paganini's ghost being summoned. It could be the devil granting a wish. It could be a doorway to hell opening to suck the performer's soul in for all eternity. Or is just Paganini's greatest composition we got to experience once every 100 years. Did you say the performer's soul gets sucked into hell for all eternity? Sapphire's voice vibrates with nervousness. Well, that's a lot bigger and different than just playing a gig on Saturday. I chop another cookie. Those men at Professor Stone's house must have been trying to steal the music and sell it. Sapphire fiddles with her cup. Or maybe use it like the prof said and do something far more sinister, I say. What if we find the music? Sapphire asks. Challenge accepted. Let's find this music, I say. 
a newfound purpose drives me. Lacambi kicks the table, clears his throat. <clears throat> like I said, the task requires bringing together three pieces of music. 24 caprices, cantable, and l'estregue. Any idea where to start looking? Sapphire picks up and puts down her cup. I have cantabile on loan from a gracious European collector, Wicambi says, a thin smile on his lips. Professor Stone at Le Streghe, and the Trinity Church has 24 caprices on display, unknown from the Vatican archives. Great, so we only have to gather the two pieces and find Professor Stone's. I slurp my tea. If you can bring all three pieces of parchment together by midnight on Saturday, it will be possible to view and record the music in the moonlight. Bukambi picks up a knife, cuts his croissant, sticks his knife in a plate of butter, coats the pastry, and chomps. He finishes chewing and then says, You mentioned the men at his brownstone chased you. And if they were at his office here on campus, they failed to find the music at Stone's home or office. Miss Anjou, you were the professor's assistant. Did he ever show you hiding places in his office or home where the music may still be hidden? There's a safe on the fourth floor of his home, Sapphire says. Do you know the combination? Wickamby asks. Sapphire gets a glimmer in her gaze. Professor Stone made me memorize it, but I didn't know why. Then, the music may be in the safe, but it might be dangerous. I can't ask you to go back and risk your life. Wakambi's voice is deep and somber. You're not asking. I'm volunteering. And I think Sapphire is too. I grin like I just discovered that one curly fry swimming in a sea of regular french fries. His probing stare searches my face. Why are you so intent on helping us find Paganini's lost music? A tightness fills my chest, and my eyes mist. Flynn made me promise to take his gig. I want to make sure this Saturday event happens. So you know Mr. Michael's entire pop rock and ballad set. How many times have you played with the band? Zero times. But I saw Flynn and the band play the entire set once. And none of the other guys can sing lead vocals, so it's me or no one. Wicambi sips his tea. You'll memorize the band's entire set after only hearing it once. Do you have an eidetic memory? I don't know what that is. This guy talks in too many riddle-like words. When I was a kid, a horse kicked me in my head. After, I couldn't stop seeing colors and getting funny tastes in my mouth whenever I hear music. Years later, I discovered I could sing or play any song after hearing it once. You may prove yourself to be useful yet, Mr. Daniels. Seeing colors and tasting things when you hear music is called synesthesia. Wakambi takes another sip of tea and places his cup on the saucer. And being able to play anything you hear once is a form of eidetic memory found only in 2-10% to 10 of the general population. And to have both conditions. <laughs> Fascinating. I wish Wakambi would stop talking. I said I'd find the music. 
but there are guys with guns and someone killed Stone. We need to call the police. McCamby shakes his head. I'm sure New York's finest are already attempting to find those men who killed him, but I don't believe they'll understand the part about magic sheet music on the summoning. McCamby takes another slow sip and fixes his stare on me. All right, Ms. Anjou, Mr. Daniels, search for the music if you must. But be careful. Coming up next in The Devil Pulls the Strings by J.W. Zarek. Chapter 12 New York Blacktop Taxi <laughs> 